This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, April 18th, 2018. My guest is Dennis Bournique. How are you, Dennis? I'm great. How are you, Miriam? I'm superb. Dennis is the publisher of Prepaid Phone News. And you might not know this site, but if you are a prepaid customer or you want to know everything that's happening in the world of prepaid, Dennis is the guy. And Dennis, you've been doing this for a long time, haven't you? I have. I can't remember quite when I started the site. I think it was five, six years ago. Yeah, but you were doing stuff before that. We met over a decade ago, I think, at this point now. Right. I think it was 2000. I mean, we met when the, when the N95 came That's out. That's right. <laughs> so 2007, uh, six is when the, uh, yes, late, late 2006 is when the N95 launched. So we probably met around iPhone year, 2007. Yes. Because we both live in San Francisco and we right. both would attend a lot of press events together, local ones anyway. Right. And I've, you know, I've always loved your insight on all things you know, prepaid because you have a really different perspective. You, you're dealing with low-end phones. You're dealing with high-end phones used on non-postpaid accounts, which is not very common in the U.S., but happens. And uh, and because of that, you know, there's a bunch of interesting news that I think we we want to probably talk about. I want to kind of start with um with kind of the elephant in the in the in the room. I don't think it's you know just so you know the podcast uh, topics I sent you are not going to happen in order necessarily. I did want to talk about ZTE. Um, and as you know, uh, ZTE is in hot water right now uh, with the U.S. government because they broke some rules, and that's probably not a good thing. But at the same time, the, um, the verdict from this is that they are not allowed to use, basically, uh, U.S. companies are not allowed to es- export their technology to ZTE for the next seven years. Uh, meaning that ZTE cannot no longer use Qualcomm processors for seven years. They can no longer use use, uh, US-based software for seven years, meaning Google services and Google Android, technically. So it's going to make their lives very difficult in the US. But more importantly, uh, I don't think it's going to stop them from using Android abroad because Android is open source. But um, yeah, that's a huge deal for them. I mean, they just launched the T Axon M in the winter fall in the US on AT&T, which is a, you know, a bit, it was a bit delayed in terms of its launch, and but is pretty much a flagship device at the time, close to a flagship, and had dual screen and some really interesting technologies. Um, so ZT is also very strongly present in the uh, prepaid world. So what's your, what's your take? What, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think this means? Well, I think it, if, if the uh, the sanctions stand, and it sounds like they probably will, uh, I think CT, as I say it, uh, will be pretty much uh, dead in most of the West. Uh, if especially if they lose their uh, Google Mobile Services license and they have to right. do a forked version of Android, I mean that's not going to sell well outside of China. And no, so so I, I think they're in a world of hurt. Uh, I did see a story on RCR today that speculates that they are working on a deal to be able to you know, to avoid those sanctions uh, that would possibly involve them paying up to a billion dollar fine and being subject to U.S. government uh, oversight somehow of some sort. But I don't know if that'll happen. But they do. They do have a big, big place in prepaid. Uh, they have a a series called, they call the Blade series. It's got a bunch of different names like yeah. Blade Max and uh, all the all the carrier prepaid sets, uh, Metro PCS, Cricket, and Boost, they all have a variant of that Blade, which is, I've been told by dealers, at Boost dealers at least, that it's one of their top sellers right along with the uh, Samsung J7. Uh, so... Those are going to go away, and I imagine somebody else will come in to fill their place. Alcatel is is pretty active with the carrier prepaids. Coolpad is dipping its toes in that in those waters. So you know, I I think I think CTA is is probably dead to us going forward. But I don't think it's going to really change the 
low-end handset headset space that much because there are other there are other players. Yeah, but it's still disappointing. I mean, I reviewed the uh, ZT Blade V8 Pro last year for Chip Chick, and you know it was a pretty decent phone. Honestly, I I just felt like. You know, uh, I'm I'm not sh- like it was very competitive in the two hundred dollar price point, basically. And I just like I just like the idea that we have competition. You're right; there is Alcatel, and they've promised a bunch of new phones that are mid range, uh, and possibly even low end. Uh, there's other players. Moto is a big player in that space. Um, you know, who else is there right now? You you mentioned a few others. Yeah, there's CoolPad. Uh, CoolPad. Yeah, Show Me is. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but they're they're talking about entering the U.S. market someday. They've been saying that for years, though. Yeah. So I'm not sure how how you know soon that's going to happen at this point. Right. Yeah, I think Moto, but Moto is certainly uh, is certainly in there in a big way. For sure. And then the other thing is, uh, uh, you've heard of Blue, right? They've had their own issues, right? They've had some kind of spyware scandal at some point recently wasn't there something like that yes definitely there there was a uh uh there was it wasn't i don't know that you could really call it sky uh uh spyware but it was yeah it was definitely something unwanted in terms of a, a tracking service that was reporting all kinds of things i think you know phone numbers called and and you know text messages and stuff like that back home to some third party server in china so yeah, I don't know why would... they keep doing that? You know, I mean, it's it's like, I mean, I kind of do, but I don't. You know, what I'm saying like it's like they want to sell the data, and it's not just China, right? I think there's other companies that do this. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the whole Facebook scandal right now with them, you know, maybe not purposely, but definitely kind of selling your data in a way without your permission, uh, in a in a way that wasn't really a part of the rules that you agreed to, um. So I, I just feel like, how, wh- why do these companies do that? I mean, it's like, why don't you provide the best technology you can for the price uh, and be competitive on that level, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's a very good angle, right, to cell phones is, you know, Xiaomi, as you mentioned, makes a good case for that. They sell really high-end devices at really great prices. They're not in the U.S. yet, but it's only a matter of time. OnePlus is an example of a company that does the same. Um, I just feel like these companies shouldn't really be compromising by putting, you know, logging things on your phone like that. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I, I agree that it's definitely uh, not the way to go if you want to gain market share and customers and loyalty. Uh, in in Blue's case, I think they are more of a they're more of an aggregator that that sources phones from a lot of different different suppliers in China, and in a lot of cases makes little fewer little modifications so it's kind of a supply chain issue where they some no-name uh manufacturer in china came up with these phones and they put the 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 spyware on it and blue didn't do any due diligence or didn't do enough due diligence to find it and root it out but uh yeah they're definitely that definitely hurt them yeah, I mean, I always thought uh, fondly of them. Like, I never actually tried their devices, um, sadly. They, they, you know, I, I, I did reach out to them back in the days when they were kind of a new t- new player. And I was like, hey, look, a friend, uh, a co- phone company based in Florida. Uh, well, you know, obviously they're, they're Chinese phones, but, you know, the company is, has, has a, you know, a strong presence in the U.S. and is trying to really break into the U.S. market. But uh, yeah, it just never happened, and so I've always kind of stayed positive. I like I like the idea of um, you know choices for customers, especially people who are on a budget and don't want necessarily to spend you know the kind of money you need to spend even for one plus phone to have a good experience. And so I kept an eye on them, and then you know I found this out, and I'm like, seriously, like, come on, like, ugh. It's so disappointing. That that's kind of where I want. Okay, I'm just gonna go buy a Moto E4, you know, for eighty bucks on Verizon and call it a day. Right. <laughs> you know, because uh, you know, at least none of that's gonna happen. That's right. So yeah. Um. So you think that team might recover? Might work out a deal? Maybe. A billion dollars is a lot of money. It is. They do have a lot of money. They're a very large company. People don't right. realize that. So. So speaking of. 
kind of segueing into into Huawei, since ZT is you know a Chinese company like Huawei and has some Chinese government connections like Huawei, and also makes networking equipment like Huawei and makes flagship phones like Huawei. Um, you know, I just kind of want to. It's a little old now, but I do. It, it kind of comes back to the four light, forefront. I think is because of the P twenty P twenty Pro that recently launched, which are phenomenal phones. Um, it comes back to the forefront. This whole Huawei carrier cancellation deal at CES. What was your thought at the time, and what do you think about it now? And how do you think it's going to affect the the landscape in the U.S. in general, and maybe also the 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 prepaid landscape? Well, I, in general, I think it's that Huawei is getting a raw deal. Uh, I mean, ZTE, they obviously, they, they did something wrong. They got caught. They, and then they tried to cover that up and didn't follow through on the, right uh, on what they were supposed to do. So, yeah, I can see that I can see them getting punished. What, what has Huawei done? I mean, it seems like it's all speculation and, oh, you know, their, their CEO is a, ex-army man, so therefore the Chinese government is going to be putting back doors in all their phones. You know, well, where are the black back doors? We, you know, the NSA is supposed to be really smart about that sort of stuff. Uh, if I mean, it, to me, it's like, if these intelligence agencies have some evidence of this, they need to tell the public. Exactly. First of all, it's, it's their duty to, because they need to protect us, right? Right. Secondly, it would be way more fair to Huawei. Then they can defend themselves, maybe go to court. Maybe work something out. Um, I'd be very disappointed. I've been using their products extensively for the last three years, and I love them. But I, I feel we need to know, and I actually don't believe there's anything going on, at least not on the on the handset level. Um, I can understand the fear potentially of using ZTE and Huawei networking equipment in the U.S. Uh, because you know base stations, that stuff is infrastructure, right? Right, it's uh, kind of mission critical in uh, situations of uh, crises, right? Um, and crises that you know can be created by you know political outside influence and then manipulated using uh, technology, right? Sure. We know that very well. Um, I just think that uh, the handsets though is crazy. I mean, today you know the the top three manufacturers in the world in terms of you know you can look at it from both profit, number of sales, and generally mind mind share are you know in terms of making the most high-tech phones are Apple, Samsung, and Huawei. And Huawei is just completely erased from the equation in North America. Um, and most of, you know, I would say Canada is kind of like following in the footsteps of, of the U.S. To some extent, I think that as a Canadian, I can say this. I think that they, they often do that policy-wise. Uh, lately, a bit less, thankfully. But I feel that there's a it's going to impact them as well there, even though they technically continue selling phones in 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 Canada and they will, but they can't sell phones here. I mean, you know, carriers are really the only way they're going to get in, and you know, this deal with AT and T and Verizon was going to be potentially the beginning of that for them. Them selling phones unlocked on Amazon, Best Buy, or anywhere else is not. We all know that's a niche market. I mean, OnePlus, you know, as much as I love them, is a niche player because of that. And, you know, in, in, in fact, Best Buy's booted Huawei out of the equation as well. So, oof, right? Yes. Yeah. How, how prevalent was Huawei ever in the prepaid space? Um, not terribly uh, prevalent. A long time ago, they had a, a really low-end boost uh, Huawei handset. Uh, and then uh, last year, they came out with uh, a GSM handset that, they, that Cricket and AT&T prepaid were selling. It's, it, it's a pretty decent handset. It, what uh, was it? Yeah. Uh, it was called the Huawei Elite uh, uh -huh. on Cricket or the Huawei Ascend XT on AT&T prepaid. Oh, it was an Ascend phone. Okay. Yeah. And it sold for, it sold, the subsidized price was around $80, 65 to $80. And, it, you know, it had a five and a half inch HD screen. It had a, I believe, a Snapdragon 615 and two gigs of RAM. And supposedly it had a better camera, though I don't have any personal experience with this. It had a better camera than, you know, comparable things like these the ZT phones or the Moto E4. Right. So it, it I, is. It's a It was a popular phone. It's still it, it's still available. I'm sure the supplies are running out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's still yeah. available from Walmart and uh, Best Buy, I think, but not directly from the carriers anymore. 
Interesting. But ZT had had a stronger presence in the US, correct, for prepaid? Yeah, certainly in terms of number of models. I don't know about market share, but yeah. I know that they definitely had, Cricket had a lot of ZT phones for a long time, right? Yes. Yeah. And Boost did too. Metro has pretty much all of them except Verizon prepaid. Cool. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's really just a sad story. I, I just want to see more phones, more options for customers. You know, the people who listen to this podcast, kind of like you, Dennis, are, you know, early adopters, tech savvy folk, they will buy their own phones unlocked. They will go prepaid if they have to or want to, or feel like it's the right choice for them. Uh, without hesitation, they do not rely on just walking into a carrier store and buying their phone on a family plan. Although some of them do because they do have a great family plan or a business plan. And I respect that. I just feel that I think the audience here is interested in variety and choice. And, you know, obviously we're all a little frazzled by the fact that this choice is dwindling. Uh, you're going to say, well, we have a lot of options still, right? You can still buy the phone's gray market. Um, if you want to buy Huawei P20 Pro right now, you can buy one online legitimately through an importer. Um, it's they're still not, you know, they're not banned from being imported yet, as far <laughs> as I know. But you're not going to get warranty support and all that stuff, right? You might get it through the the reseller, perhaps, but it's going to be a real hassle sending your phone back to them to deal with warranty work, you know, etc. So. Sure. So it's a big gamble. And, you know, when you can go buy a OnePlus phone uh, with warranty, it's kind of a hard sell. You know, when you can buy a Galaxy S9 Plus with warranty unlocked uh, from, from Amazon or Best Buy or even from a carrier store. Although I don't think the carriers sell the unlocked versions, uh, at least not without their branding and, and crapware on them. So you probably don't want to do that. I, I just say in general, avoid going to a carrier store to buy a phone, even for prepaid. Just, just avoid it. Just bring your phone unlocked pick pick your pick your operator and on in the prepaid space there's a lot of prepaid operators and and virtual network operators right that are online only right at this point yeah I'll, it's the the prepaid world is moving more and more online um there are a lot of mvnos and uh although i think they're hurting a lot of them what's happened is that the carriers have in the last three years gotten really interested in prepaid. And if you want a prepaid plan with so-called unlimited data, uh, which obviously has deprioritization limits of around 30 gigs or less, uh, the only place to get one is is pretty much uh, Cricket, Metro, PCS, or Boost. The the MVNOs, I don't think the carriers will sell them unlimited data. They'll sell them data at a price. Right. Per, per gig price. So they're really caught between a rock and a hard place there and trying to to offer unlimited. So they're they're left to fight over the scraps, you know, the $30 and under market. Uh, so th- I think they're getting squeezed. Uh, there haven't been a lot of uh, business failures lately, but I wouldn't be surprised if this year sees some. But there are, there's still a lot of choices and on, going online obviously makes a lot of sense. You've got uh, Republic and, and Ting and are exclusively online and red pocket mobile is is increasingly online so yeah yeah uh, i've received a bunch of sims from some of these virtual online network operators that i need to try out for myself unfortunately i've been so busy i haven't had a chance to stick those sims in my phones and take them for a spin but i'm very curious as to what you know, what would work for me? I have two lines on AT&T that are costing me a fortune that I just use for basically testing devices uh, they're postpaid and um, they're unlimited data, which is nice because they're grandfathered, but it's still too expensive. And I really don't need unlimited data on on these testing on for testing purposes. So what I'm trying to find because I'm a T-Mobile customer primarily as a you know my main number, and I'm very happy with their service and their pricing and um, their uh, their data roaming uh, policies and features. And, uh, you know, um, coverage can be better in some places. I have to admit that it's still not the greatest. It's, it's gotten much better over the years. Uh, but, um, but I'm very happy. So I, I like to have, because I test mostly unlocked and GSM-based phones, I like to have uh, an AT&T or SIM or two floating around. And so I'm looking for kind of an AT&T-based virtual network operator 
to replace these two lines. And I'm I'm fine with the data cap. So I'm exploring all these different sims and uh, yeah, and, and constantly reading your website to kind of see what what you know the best deals are. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like Red Pocket right now. They they seem to have excellent pricing, and I've been getting good feedback from users that uh, their customer support is you know decent for prepaid, which isn't saying much, but it, it's better than most. And that they don't seem to their data doesn't seem to be as as slow as some of the other MVNOs that are probably more heavily deprioritized. So yeah, I, that would be my top pick right now if I was looking for a new uh, a new prepaid carrier that's AT and T based. They actually offer AT and T, T Mobile, Sprint, and Verizon, but uh, I think they're strongest they're strongest with AT and T. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. Um, probably not, but you you know, I would say take take Dennis's advice. I think the feeling I get, Dennis, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if you're a prepaid customer, you really have to be ready to jump ship and port your number because they come and go, right? Some of them shut down. They also uh, don't always, you know, the best deals that they have might not last because they don't get the contracts renewed with their, uh, you know, kind of master carrier operator. Is that correct? Would you say that's true? It's very true. Uh, I mean, there have been at least a half a dozen uh, prepaid companies that went out of business over the last maybe three three years. So yeah, you do risk that chance. You do have that chance, that risk. And you know, like you say, the deals come and they go. And so having a Google Voice number that you can forward to anything is is a great advantage. And being able to to jump. Having a phone like uh, most of the newer Motos that works on all four carriers is a, is a definitely a good thing to have if you're a hardcore right. prepaid user. I mean, that's not something you get very commonly with Chinese companies, right? I mean, I'm, yeah. obviously Lenovo owns Moto and Lenovo is a Chinese company, but Lenovo has a legacy of making phones in the U.S. that are, uh, you know, basically dual system phones, right? Is right. That probably the best way to put it, which is pretty much the only place in the world where this matters anymore. Uh, but for prepaid, this really does matter a lot, especially if you want to be uh, on, on the Sprint network in some way or another, correct? Correct, or Verizon. Yeah, Verizon should be easier though. It's just just by inserting the SIM from the uh, the the operator. I think Sprint. Don't you have to like go to their website and register or something with Boost yeah. and 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 uh, what's the other one? Virgin's gone, right? No, Virgin is still around. We keep predicting oh, that it's going to go, but it's still <laughs> there. You can walk into Target or Best Buy and buy a new Virgin phone and set it up. And they also have this uh, this online only. Uh, thing that's uh, iPhones only. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, Virgin's still around, but you're right about Sprint. It's it's a pain to activate a phone or to switch phones on Sprint. They, they're, their systems are, I guess, so archaic and loaded with, loaded with you know, legacy patches. You're the patches only ones and, left that you can't just put a SIM in your phone. Right. They, I mean, they, Verizon still, if you have a phone that supports Verizon outright, uh, if you were a Verizon customer and you put a SIM, it would just work. Uh, any you know Verizon virtual mo- mobile operator, if you get a SIM from them, I don't think you have. Once the SIM is active, I don't think you have to do anything online, right? Right. Although yeah, Verizon whereas, Verizon will, uh, if they don't like the phone you're using, they will cut you off. Uh, oh, wow. But wait, how is that possible? Since part of their LT license is that they have to allow access to any terminal that supports that band. Well, funny thing, since the new administration took over, they've been locking their own prepaid phones and they've been... Oh, that's right. Uh, they changed their policies recently. Yeah, they, they definitely, uh, they're not, that, that agreement, that band 13 agreement, they're definitely not living up to I mean, to the it. FCC is definitely on, in the pocket of the regime right now. So that's, I can see how they can get away with that. I don't know, somebody maybe should do a class action suit on that because that's one of our fundamental rights. Remember, folks, in the U.S., the people own the airwaves, right? Yeah. The FCC's job is to license these airwaves owned by the people to these companies and basically through auctions. And there are terms associated with these auctions. And when Verizon won band 13, which is their LT band, 700 megahertz, um, the stipulation was that they had to allow any device that's compatible to be on their network. Um, 
and they couldn't like lock them down. And there was a bunch of other things that, you know, practically speaking, don't matter to most people because you get the phone from the operator. But to some of us, it does matter. And uh, it looks like Verizon is not playing by the rules. Well, specifically what they're doing is, is uh, they, sell sub- they sell prepaid phones at a subsidized price. Uh, and if you put a Verizon postpaid SIM in one of those phones, uh, the SIM will be, what do they call it, uh, redlined or something like that. Well, basically, they'll shut your service off until you call them and say, oh, I'm sorry, I put it in this prepaid phone. I'm going to put it back in a, you know, an authorized phone, and then they'll restore your service. So that's the main thing they're doing. And it, it's affecting MVNOs, too. If you take one of their branded prepaid phones and take it to track phone, uh, put the SIM in, it'll work for a few days, and then it'll get shut down. Crazy. Um, speaking of odd kind of prepaid-ish, like even cheaper than prepaid, uh, I want to talk about the Samsung Galaxy J2 Pro, <laughs> a phone with no cellular or Wi-Fi connectivity <laughs> sold in, in Korea. So you want cheaper than, than prepaid? This is zero paid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, well, I, technically it does make phone calls, so I suppose it's not completely zero paid. You still would have, basically this is a phone that you would use with a voice-only plan, which is interesting. Of course, this phone is in Korea only. It's it's totally a cheap entry level, you know, you know, fringe case scenario. Maybe it makes sense in that market. The biggest thing here is is the idea is that you this is a phone for kids and maybe young, uh, maybe teenagers, school school children. You give it to them, they can't get online, so they can't play games or whatever. Theoretically, uh, they can sideload. Um, obviously, you know, if they know how to do that. Um, they can maybe connect over Bluetooth tethering. If this thing has Bluetooth, they can maybe uh, plug a, um, a Ethernet dongle into it if it supports it via USB on the go, assuming it doesn't have USB-C on it. Um, and then you can probably connect just because Android supports that. But the reality is, is not. this is kind of an interesting thing. What's your, what's your take on that phone? I mean, wh- like, can you, does it make any sense to you? My biggest concern is how can you update this phone? I mean, not that Samsung is good at updating phones, but like this one will never get an update, right? Right. I don't see how it could unless uh, maybe tethered update, you know, through, uh, through, through yeah, a PC through USB, through uh, a program. PC, yeah. yeah, I think it's crazy. Um, I mean, maybe maybe there's, maybe there's a market. I think it's probably just one of those marketing IDs they're throwing against the wall to see if it flies. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you want that, you can use any phone and tell your carrier to shut off your data. Of course, I guess that doesn't shut off Wi-Fi. You can turn the Wi-Fi toggle off. Yeah, you can, but your kids can turn it back on. Maybe you can change that somehow, yeah. like root it and remove some of the settings or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 I, I just don't think, even as a I mean, I'm not a parent, clearly. You, you're going to tell because I was going to say, if I was a parent, um, I would st- I still think I would turn that off. I, I, I want to trust my kids to learn to do the right thing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I, that's my approach. I, I, I grew up in Europe, you know, where I was pretty much allowed to do anything. The liquor cabinet was always unlocked, but I, <laughs> I just knew better, right? Like, it's just like you... Why would I? Why would I do that? That's not something you do. You you drink when there's a special occasion. You don't drink just you know. Anyway, it's a cultural thing, I think. But um, clearly in Korea, they think there's a market for. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> it is very weird. I, the, the strangest thing in that story I saw was if you buy this phone, if you're a student, I guess this is probably high school students, and you take some kind of college entrance exam, uh, use and you have this phone, so you can't cheat. If you complete the exam, you can return the, the J2 and get some kind of a Galaxy S. It's kind of unspecified Galaxy S. So that's interesting. So that looks like it's very specific to Korea, to like their school system almost then. Yeah. Wow. That's probably why it doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't, yeah. It's kind of like, remember back 10, 12 years ago when a lot of workplaces uh, said you couldn't bring a camera phone onto you know, into the job. Yeah, and, I remember that. And, and there were some special versions, cameraless versions yeah, of exactly. popular phones. Oh, I have a story for you. I have an anecdote. So I was in, uh, I don't, I want to say Virginia Beach, uh, some, some place on the East Coast in Virginia that is a coastal military town. Does Virginia Beach sound right? 
Uh, it might be. Newport I don't Beach? know Virginia. I don't think I've ever been in the state. Anyway, maybe it's Newport Beach. Anyway, I was in a place out there where there's a strong Navy military presence, and I uh, was visiting some relatives uh, of my spouse's at the time. And we were at Best Buy, my spouse and I, getting a laptop for those relatives. And up comes a guy, like we're in line waiting to pay for this thing. And this guy comes up to us and he looks, you know, like a big, burly military dude. And like, he's not in uniform or anything, but I wasn't quite sure, like, is this guy going to, you know, beat us up because we're gay? Or is he going to like, like he's, he's, he's looking threatening to me and I'm kind of like prepared for something. And then he comes up to me, he goes, hey, are you Miriam of Engadget? At the time I was Engadget. Uh-huh. And I was like, yes, I am. He goes, I'm your biggest fan. And we start talking about phones. I mean, that was kind of awesome. But then the best part was he pulls out this BlackBerry and, I, I'm, and you know, he says, like, I'm stuck with this. And I'm like, oh, well, it's not too bad. It's a bla- I mean, this is like at the time, this is 2008 or nine. Blackberries mm-hmm. are still a thing then. I'm like, it's not too bad. It's in like a bold 9900 or something. I was like, yeah, that's cool. He's like, yeah, but there's no camera. Look. And he shows it to me. I'm like, what? Like, I'd never seen that. Like, I'd never seen a, one of those BlackBerry without a camera. He goes, yeah, I work for the military. I'm a contractor. I'm not allowed to have a camera on premises. So that's the only phone I can use. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> so that wasn't thing that long ago. I mean, we're talking 2009, 2008, 2009, around that. So like 10, nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? It, it is crazy. I mean, back when I worked in the financial industry, I... Uh, they were really concerned if anybody turned on a, a hotspot on their phone. They actually had some kind of a sniffer on a cart that they'd roll around through the cubicles to detect rogue Wi-Fi. Wow. <laughs> oh, well, things have changed a lot with the bring your own device to work thing now. Yeah, they sure have. Um, but um, related to phones that don't necessarily need data, I mentioned on last week's podcast that there was this one phone and I couldn't remember the name and I couldn't Google it in time for the end of the podcast. So it's kind of, this is a correction really for my readers, listeners. I was talking about a phone that um, is a second version of a phone designed for basically disconnecting from the internet for the weekend kind of thing or for the evening called the light phone. So the original light phone was just a T9 based, it was very cosmetically appealing uh, phone with just, you know, voice and text T9. Uh, keypad and uh, they just recently in the phone I talked about this on a previous podcast they launched uh, a new replacement a new one called the light phone 2 and what's cool about it Dennis is that this one has an um, and what is it called e-paper display Mm -hmm. it's a touchscreen e-paper instead of a t9 so you actually have a QWERTY keyboard on screen so if you want to text it's not as painful as the other one but it's the same as the light phone original there's no data connectivity there's no apps. There's no social media. It's just phone calls, texts, and a very sleek, sexy package. Now with an e-paper QWERTY keyboard display. That's perfect for prepaid, right? Uh, it could be, yeah. Although it, it looks like it's pretty pricey. I saw. Uh, I mean, it's expensive, it's right? Like, because that's the idea. Is that it's like they're like it's fancy and thin and light and great battery life and you know it's basically like it's kind of like you know yoga. It's it's good if you can afford it. Yes. But most people can't. <laughs> yeah. And the people who practice it are a little bit overzealous at selling the idea to others and not understanding that others cannot necessarily afford it. Right? Yeah, that's true. It's a it's, <laughs> it's an interesting I mean, maybe story. I'm based this on maybe I'm basing this on my experience of yoga in San Francisco, which I just see <laughs> everything in San Francisco is more expensive, but but like I'm all for it. I'm just like, uh, why does it have to be so if it's so good for you and it's practiced by people in India anywhere, anytime, why is it so expensive that you have to go to a yoga studio and be taught by a yogi? Yeah. So why is it so expensive you have to buy a light phone too? Um why just why not just buy a Nokia three three ten? Or eight one one eight eight ten eighty one ten. Yeah. Which is, you know, the new banana phone that launched at MWC at that point. I mean, I suppose that it's better to have a QWERTY keyboard and e an e-paper e-ink than to have a T9 if you're not good at T9, which yeah. is what Nokia would give you. But at least for the original light phone, I don't see the the appeal. I, I would rather buy that that new HMD Nokia uh thirty three ten or uh eighty one ten. 
Sure. Uh, if, if you want to be stylish, especially with the funky colors and stuff and the nostalgia factory. And and what the, the 8110 can be turned into a hotspot because it's 4G LT. So, woohoo. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, anyway, it's that's kind of phone. a weird thing. Uh, that, those light that was phone, the phone that they kind of remind me of what a feature phone would look like if Apple made a feature phone. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to tell everybody, this is the phone I was thinking of when me and Judy were talking, and I think it's relevant to potentially to, to prepaid because if you have that kind of money and you're willing to, like, you want to disconnect for the weekend or the evening or whatever, and you want to take something light and thin with you that's really stylish, that still makes you look, you know, on point when you're out and about at the opera or whatever, um, but you don't want to have be disturbed by notifications. Um, I think this light phone too, if you you know, is cool because again, touchscreen. Um, I just don't understand why you can't have the discipline of get a very sexy, thin, uh, simpler than than flagship Android phone to and turn off all of the all of the apps and and data stuff on it and use that um, as your weekend phone instead. Right, you know, weird. Um, we talked about Huawei earlier, and and I want to run uh, running down the the topics here. Um, it, you know, you've heard the rumors that uh, Samsung's building a Galaxy Ten or Galaxy X, which would be one of the first folding phones with a folding display. I would say because folding phones, obviously, flip phones have been around forever. Mm-hmm. I, I'm we're not sure if the Samsung phone is going to be a flip phone in the traditional sense of flipping along its length. Uh, or if it's going to be like the ZT Axon M, um, kind of more like a laptop clamshell design. But supposedly Samsung is working on a phone that might come out in 2019 that f- has a folding, foldable display on it. Um, and the rumor is now that Huawei, of course, being one of the manufacturing and technology powerhouses in the field, is also working on a folding phone. What do you think of these folding phones? Well, I I kind of like the concept. Uh, I'm all for a bigger screen and a smaller form factor, which is one thing it would give you. And right. it seems like it would offer uh, screen protection too when it's closed. You wouldn't have to worry about smashing your screen when you dropped it as much. Though, but how do you see notifications when your phone is on the table ringing or vibrating? That's a, that's a big challenge. You know, you've seen that that uh, Gemini PDA phone, right? PDA slash phone. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and it's like you know it was recently reviewed by some of the big publications. I got to play with it at CS and MWC, and, and it's cool because it reminds me of the Scion Series Five, but it's uh, you know when it's closed, you you know you get the notification light and the vibration, but you have no idea who's calling you until you open the thing up. So I just don't see. I think the idea of a folding display means that it's a small display when it's folded, so you can still see it and use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can unfold it to have more surface area to do more serious tasks. So the the you know, the, ha- the folds around the back instead of closing. Like I'm thinking shell. that's yeah. I'm thinking that's kind of the the idea um, that they're going for. I, at least to me, that would make more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way as China has, and Samsung sells these phones as well, has flip phones, Android flip phones that have a display in the back of the flip and in front of the flip. And of course, when they're closed, you can still use them as a very small Android phone with a small like 3.5 inch display. And it's such capacitive, so you can do basic stuff on the front. And then you, if you really want to get serious, you know, you open it up and, you know, you use the T9 for, with the Chinese or Korean characters to type out something really fast because apparently that's faster than using Western. If you if you if you speak Chinese or Korean, apparently it's a or Japanese even it's a lot faster using T9 on those um, than you know autocomplete Western um, characters. Right. Um, although we know that people have gotten really fast at using T9. Remember, there used to be competitions on that. I do. But I, basically, those flip phones have a screen on the inside as well that's also, of course, capacitive. And so it's like two screens, basically. But they're not attached to each other in a way. So like you basically get a, they're mirrors of each other. What Samsung's working on is obviously, I think, you know, it could be a clamshell that closes and maybe has a tiny little OLED display in front that no, shows you the notifications or whatever. But I have a feeling that we're going to see something more like, you know, where the phone feels in the same size as a kind of maybe smaller Android phone today when it's shut and still has a front front being full display. And then when you open it, 
you unfold it, basically you get double the surface area and it's seamless, you know? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like one rumor I saw about the uh, Galaxy S10 was that it would actually have three screens. There'd be uh, three, three and a half inch screens, I think is the story I saw. There'd be one on the exterior and then it would be a clamshell and you open it up and there inside would be two joined three and a half inch screens. I see. And they, they would be the one that are joined and folding. Yeah. Wow. Um, that would be pretty expensive though, huh? I would think so. Yeah, I think it would. Oof. Especially, I mean, imagine what I'm, what people are, are saying is supposed to happen is that the seam between the two inside screens is not going to be visible or tactile. It's going to be actually folding glass or plastic or something that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like a real tour de force of technology there. You know, speaking of odd form factors, we, we talked about this a little bit last week podcast. We talked about design with Judy from uh, Gear Diary. And, and um, I, d I found another story related to that, uh, to all this weird form factor. And it was a, I just want to mention it because I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Uh, Nokia, a Nokia, it's a, it's a nostalgia phone story about the new Nokia phones, the 3310. And well, 3310 is a year old now, but the 8110, the banana phone and the, the uh, basically these two phones from Nokia that came out in the last year and a half, um, year and a month, I should say. Uh, it's a kind of feature story on Wired.com about these phones, kind of related to our conversation last month. Also related to prepaid because these phones are best. You're probably best going to thrive on prepaid carriers, and they're cool phones. You know, there is certainly um, something about the simplicity of just having a simple phone that doesn't do everything and disrupt you for everything. Um, I, I would actually love to see, and I've said this a few times on the podcast, I'd love to see an Android phone that uh, was not necessarily cheap, but uh, optimized for lightness, battery life, weight, still was, you know, designed to be super premium, but um, it would let you scale down notifications and, uh, you know, kind of at the system level and would uh, maybe have some facilities where when you take, and the camera would be really high end. And when you take a photo with the camera, you'd be prompted and say, do I, do you want to upload this to all your networks? And it automatically would do it properly for you. Um, basically it's a one-stop shop. Like you, you don't have to spend the time to enter a caption or whatever. You just, have it with you, answer phone calls, reply to messages, maybe only have, you know, your text messages and Facebook messages and, you know, maybe like say you use WhatsApp or WeChat or whatever it is you're messaging wise that you want to, or maybe you Gmail and you can use that. You can reply. These are the only things that you deal with. Um, and then you can upload photos all you want all the time. Um, you know, maybe it uses Google Photos for it. You were, it, it uploads automatically like it does now with Google Photos, but it gives you this option to like, you know, disseminate that specific photo you just took to, you know, say Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat or whatever. And, and you don't have to worry about managing it and babying it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think that would be really nice for when you go on a road trip or you go to like like fancy evening and you want to share something with the world, but disconnect to some extent. And, you know, what would make you pick that phone with you rather than your big flagship is the, the compactness, the lightness, the battery life, and the fact that it still doesn't compromise. If you really need to get shit done, you, you have a phone that can still run everything and you can jump in. And you have, um, you know, uh, this this uh, this really sexy thin thing by default. Yeah, I think that that there's a market for that. I guess maybe I should say is there's a market for just compact premium Android phones, uh, but I would like to see some software features to kind of optimize that. Yeah, I th I definitely agree with you. Um, I, I I get people all the time asking, you know, what's a really high end small phone, small Android phone, and they're there really isn't any. I mean, Sony, Sony has one or two, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've all gotten pretty big. Um, and I mean, you know, honestly, they're not that big and thick and heavy. They're manageable. It's just, it's just, you know, if you are purposely wanting to scale down a little bit and you don't necessarily need the screen real estate because you know you're not going to do a lot of messaging, it would be nice to shrink things down to an even thinner, lighter format and smaller format. And, and, uh, 
still let you do all the things you want to do in case you do, but kind of more focus on, on just note, you know, maybe notifying you and on disseminating the, the content you create, which is really what we, our phones are used for the most really. Right? right. Unless you're using your phone for business, in which case, you know, obviously you're spending a lot of time on it for all kinds of things. Um, but anyway, we'll see. And to me, that's why the light phone two is kind of a step in that direction, but not far enough. And like, you know, the Z, the, the Sony compact phones, the, like the, 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 the XZ2 compact, for example, comes to mind that was launched at MWC, um, is a step in the right direction coming from the other end. Right. Right. But, it's still not compact enough, in my opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. Speaking of Sony and phones and high-end premium phones, uh, it's actually even called premium. Sony finally announced and launched the, the third salvo of their Z, uh, XZ2 line. They had the XZ2 Compact and the XZ2 Regular, and now they have the XZ2 Premium. Um, and what makes that phone special is that it has dual cameras in the back for, and, and one is 12 megapixel monochrome and the other one is, I think, 20, well, 20 megapixel uh, color using, of course, Sony's latest sensors. And it can do um, five-digit ISO, so 10,000-something ISO, mm. uh, low-light photography which is remarkable. In fact, we got a demo of this at MWC. Um, I know you weren't there, Dennis, but if you went to the MWC Sony booth, there, in, amongst all the um, XZ2 compact and regular phones that you could try out, there was this little uh, stand, I guess, where you could see a demo of <clears throat> what they were working on with dual cameras to bring the ISO um, to really high numbers and allow improve low light performance. And they hinted that this would appear on a future phone, and this is the phone. So, you know, the P20, P20 Pro, particularly the P20 Pro, have been lauded for their uh, low light performance prowess. And I think this is the first phone that might uh, give them a run for the money uh, or compete with them because it's doing similar things. The, the Huawei P20 Pro also is capable of five digit ISO. Um, so it's kind of interesting uh, to me that, uh, you know, this is the, the new battle low light. Uh, I mean, it always has been somewhat, right? The, the right. Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL are, we're kind of the low light champs. But honestly, I've been using the P20, P20 Pro, primarily the P20 Pro, for the last few days. I finally got mine late last week. And wow, the low light on that phone is unbelievable. It really does blow away the Pixel. It blows away the Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus. It is a new, it's a new milestone for mobile photography in terms of low light. In every other way, it's it's a good camera, it's solid. But in daylight, you don't really notice too much of a difference. The optical zoom is nice because it's three times instead of two times on other phones, so it does give you more, you know, more to play with, uh, more ability to zoom in. But I'm impressed with the low light. What, what's your take on that? You have you played with any of these phones, or have you been following? I've been kind of, I've been following them, but I haven't I haven't gotten my hands on any of them. Uh, the best camera phone I have is my uh, S7 Edge. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, but I you know definitely low light performance is is uh, is a barrier with most camera phones, and I'd love to see phones that did better in low light. So yeah, oh, I definitely. like what I like what Huawei and and Sony are doing with this, and I'm glad you found that. Uh, the P20 Pro was had such great performance in low light. So looks like we're moving there. Yeah, I mean, I will have more for you folks on an upcoming podcast. I know you've been waiting for my thoughts on the P20, P20 Pro. Here's what I can do for now is invite you to watch the latest episode of All About Android from the Twit Network. I was there yesterday in Petaluma. Uh, so if you look at the episode that was uh, uh, recorded on April 15th, no, 17th, sorry, on April 17th, 2018, um, where I'm the guest uh, or co-host or whatever you want to call it, um, you'll get a lot of my, uh, I, I basically have a do, do a little mini demo, a mini uh, review of the camera. Um, so go there, but I want to talk about it in the podcast more. Um, I'm hoping to get a phone photography expert on the show to discuss that more in detail and kind of dedicate an entire show to it because there's a lot to talk about. Um, I'm very, very impressed. It's, it's really a milestone phone in terms of imaging 
um, as much as the Pixel 2 XL and Pixel 2 have been, as much as the uh, Lumias, uh, like the 1020 back in the day and the uh, uh, 808 PureView, which wasn't a Lumia, but was a Nokia phone back in the day. This is definitely a, a turning point in mobile photography. So I just want to put it out there. I'm very excited about it. It's been really good. Um, I want to talk about how, uh, in your opinion, what's the, what's what's the market? What's the landscape for prepaid flagships? Using flagships on prepaid is that a thing? Do you think it's viable? Do you recommend it? Does it happen, etc.? Uh, it it definitely happens. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, the readers of my blog are tend to be the more sophisticated prepaid phone users, and they do. Uh-huh. They do talk a lot about using flagships, in many cases, older flagships, you know, like uh, maybe a Nexus 6P or a, or a Galaxy S7. Uh, right. Or, or an still iPhone. Still perfectly usable. Yeah, still perfectly solid phones. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's the way to go. I mean, really, carrier phones are bad enough when you buy the, the flagships and the, the prepaid carrier phones are... Well, lots of bloatware, and and they don't have much horsepower to start with, so that makes things all the worse. So I I really think that using uh, bringing your own phone, preferably a high end phone, even one that's two or three years old, uh, is the way to go. Definitely. Do you see a lot of people you bringing like phones like the One Plus, which, as we know, is very affordable for the performance? Uh, I have I have heard. At least one of my readers uses a OnePlus. Yeah, they definitely are people that use them. On prepaid, huh? Definitely. There have to be. And is the is the fact that it's hard to find unlimited data uh, a limiting... And the fact that a lot of those um, flagship phones uh, don't necessarily have support for dual system, i.e. Sprint and Verizon. Um, do, do you find that is a hindrance for people? Uh, unlimited, well, unlimited data is available. Uh, it's, it's available if you go with a carrier prepaid, like, uh, Got AT&T it. prepaid like, or T-Mobile or, yeah, or Metro PCS or T-Mobile prepaid. So yeah, it's definitely available if you need, and you know, T-Mobile will give you, uh, 50 gigs before they deprioritize. Right. AT&T, I think it's 2022. That's actually a lot. I mean, yeah, it is. I, I, I don't think. I mean, I use usually less than ten gigs a month. I used to use. I used to be steadily on around the two to three gig mark for long, for many years. But in the last few years, I have to say it's gone up. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, I'm on unlimited everything with T-Mobile. Unlimited, like tethering everything, two lines on one account. It's really awesome. Um. I was gonna talk about uh, really briefly something that I saw in the news. As you, uh, and since we're speaking of OnePlus, OnePlus, the OnePlus 6 is coming imminently. I don't know exactly when. I'll let you know once I get a review unit. But um, the rumors are swirling stronger than ever, and more and more information is leaking. And the latest leak, I just want to mention, it's not in the show notes, Dennis, but uh, it's that the OnePlus 6 will probably be OnePlus's first water-resistant smartphone. Um, so that's exciting, mm-hmm. because they, so far, none of their phones have been um, you know, water resistant and water resistance is really nice thing. Once you have it, you kind of like wonder how you lived without it. Has that been your experience too? Have you had a water resistant phone? Uh, I have, um, I think I have anyway. I believe my S7 is water resistant. Uh, it's, it's a nice idea. I mean, I, it is, it, it, I mainly worry if I'm out in the rain. I do a lot of walking in San Francisco. We had a lot of rain this year, so sometimes I get That's caught true. out in the rain and I have my phone. And if my phone's waterproof, I think nothing of pulling it out and using it in the rain. Whereas if it isn't waterproof, I say, well, I wonder if this is going to finally finally be right. the bit of water that turns the... That gets in the headphone jack and screws everything up. Right. Uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that that's actually very interesting. Like we talked about the P20 and P20 Pro. The P20 is only IP53, which is really splash resistant, so probably rain is okay. Whereas the uh, the P20 Pro is IP68, which, as we know, is you know you can submerge in a shallow uh, bit of water for uh, for some time, like half an hour or something. Um, I believe that that only applies to you know uh, uh, like non non salty water, like uh, salt salt water is really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, even for water-resistant phones, I 
Try to avoid using your phone in the in the ocean, okay, folks. It's just a bad idea. Pools are okay. Chlorine can be a little harder than normal water, of course, but pools are okay. In the tub, you're okay. Uh, drop it in some liquid while you're doing the dishes is okay. Just avoid salt. I think a lot of people have this this idea that you know they're gonna not have to worry about it at the beach. I think you know you, you also have to worry about the sand scratching the glass. I mean, right. the reality is gorilla glass especially five is very crack resistant so like if you're gonna if you're worried about breaking the glass it's very unlikely to happen but the compromise is that to make it crack resistant it is actually a little more scratch prone so i mean it's still very scratch resistant compared to regular glass but salt uh, salt not salt sand i mean is kind of insanely uh hard on glass all you need is one grain of sand in your pocket and put your phone in there and you might actually scratch Gorilla Glass 5. That's something to keep in mind. So yes, you see these ads with people using their phones at the beach, but I would say, you know, just use common sense, right? Right. Right. Uh, one more thing we have. Um, you remember how uh, there was some talk last week of Xiaomi bringing in a uh, uh, working on a on a gaming phone uh, let me actually google the name of it it's like something black something it's like uh, let me show me gaming phone uh, let's google that because uh, they they that's a piece of news I missed last week um, yeah it it would be called the black shark from Xiaomi well it's made by Xiaomi but the brand is black shark so it's a gaming phone like kind of like the razor phone by made by Xiaomi, and that was announced last week. Um, what's interesting is that now Asus is jumping on that bandwagon and saying that they're working on a, you know, Republic of Gaming phone, I guess. You know, Republic of Gaming is Asus's uh, uh, laptop gaming brand. Right. So gaming phones are, I guess, becoming a thing, <laughs> which is very interesting. It so is. There you go. Now you know. Boom. Um, yeah, so that's that's a piece of news that I wanted to bring up. What's your thoughts on that? Like, do you think there's a market for a gaming phone? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not a gamer, and I don't really know any gamers anymore. Uh, it, it seems like it might not be in the U.S. I don't know how. There is a gaming culture, obviously, in the U.S., but it seems to be mostly, uh, mostly PC-based gaming. Uh, and I don't think it's nearly as big as, say, Korea, where they, they apparently are insane about about gaming and to a lesser extent i think that's true in china too so i can see it being a thing in certain markets and maybe it yeah. maybe in the u.s i mean well i mean the way to look at it is this if you make it they if you build it they will come right exactly. I mean, it's like remember gaming laptops for a while weren't really a thing and then you know now they really are a thing there are people that swear by them people will buy uh actually a like a uh you know an alienware laptop instead of a dell uh, because they want, you know, even if they sacrifice a little bit in terms of size and weight, because they want that level of performance. I also know uh, some tech journalists, especially video videographers, video editors, and bloggers, uh, vloggers, sorry, vloggers with a V, that are using um, gaming laptops for video editing because the performance is, is better. Makes sense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if people that uh, do development and do uh, lots of, you know, C++ compiles and things. Right, that too, right? I mean, I know Razer, for example, the Razer Blade laptops are very popular with uh, video editors and, uh, and uh, you write developers as well because Visual Studio is primarily a Windows thing. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, maybe, I mean, I'm, it's not, I'm not the target audience, even though, you know, my background is as a video game developer, I'm, I, but I'm keeping an eye on it because I think that it's interesting. And I feel like um, the fact that we now have Razer started it, then Xiaomi is jumping in and Asus is rumored to Sean jump in. And I'm, you know, Ty, Computex is happening in Taipei very soon. Computex is the, the, the big PC show of the year. Uh, you know, as you know, a lot of PC makers were based in Taiwan in the heyday of PCs. So Asus, being a Taiwanese company, will have a strong presence there. And I would be surprised if that gaming phone gets announced there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch. I'm not sure I'm going to be at, in, in Taipei this year for Computex. I have in the past, so it's hit and miss every year whether I can make it. But um, so, you know, stay tuned on that, I think. Um, yeah, that's, I think, pretty much all the news we wanted to cover there, Dennis. Okay. 
which is exciting. We've made it. Yeah. So, um, is there, I want to know kind of, so you said you're using Galaxy S7 Edge. Is that your daily driver? Ah, uh, yes. All right. Any iPhones in the household for mm. testing purposes, perhaps? No, uh, I've got an ancient iPad I used for watching movies on the airplane sometimes. Ah, nice. And uh, what, if, if there was a phone you could, you know, buy now, wanted to buy now, what do you think you would, what is the phone you, you'd be excited about? Um, good question. I think I'd probably be excited about, um, well, the, obviously I like OnePlus. So this OnePlus 6, when it comes out, I'd be excited about that, I think. You should, uh, I should put you in touch with the, the OnePlus PR folks and see if they can get you one. I think it'd be good. You need something newer than a Galaxy S7 Edge, although that's a good phone. I, I wouldn't dismiss it. It gets the um, job done. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, trying to think. In terms of prepaid, are you using prepaid as your main line, or I are am. you on postpaid? I am. You I are have prepaid. No postpaid. What is your favorite right now? Is that the Red Rocket? The Red Rocket, Red Pocket, Red Pocket. I, red I don't pocket, actually pocket. have a Red Pocket account. My account is on ah. T-Mobile. Oh, your T-Mobile pre prepaid. I'm yeah. T-Mobile postpaid. Interesting. Cool. And you happy with that? Yeah, I am. I am. Cool. And they do offer unlimited data, you said. They huh? do. They do. I don't have the unlimited, awesome. but uh, it's available. It's... Is tethering included in prepaid or do you have to buy that extra? No, it's included in all of their prepaid plans. Oh, that's cool. You know, I mean, in um, it's a very American thing that you'd have to pay for tethering extra. I mean, when I travel all over the world, I buy prepaid SIMs. Um, and, you know, it's always, it's never metered or controlled in any way it just works right right so uh, obviously a lot of my unlocked phones that i put my at&t sims in and t-mobile sims in just work as well there's no there's no control but um but you know unfortunately if you even buy a pixel these days which is my main phone pixel 2xl right now my main phone um you have uh they somehow know that it's a t-mobile sim and they implement some sort of uh some sort of gateway there and you have to have uh if you're postpaid you have to have tethering enabled yeah. Which I think is on most accounts, but there's some limited amount of data by default, whereas I have unlimited, so that's nice. It's kind of annoying that way in the US. It is. But hey, I hate it. Me too. So, hey, Dennis, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Okay. My main uh, publishing platform is prepaidphonenews.com, and uh, that's where we cover all the uh, latest news on prepaid, keep on track, keep on top of all the new plans and changes to plans and carrier exclusive prepaid phones and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I post there occasionally and there's uh, a contract writer that fills it up with stuff every day. And plus I maintain a series of set pieces, uh, you know, basically Ooh. comparing and rating all the prepaid carriers. So you can find me there. I'm also, I'm also on Twitter where I'm uh, at YesWAP, Y-E-S-W-A-P. Um, and those, those are, those are my main online presidents, presences. I don't do Facebook too much, but I do have a Dennis Bornick Facebook account. If you want to look me up there? Of course. Yeah. Um, so now you know of a really great site to visit. If you want to know the lowdown on pre on all things prepaid, really seriously, to me, it's like my Bible when I want prepaid news. Sometimes I just ping Dennis directly in direct message. And I'm like, Dennis, should I try this? What do you think? And he's super helpful. So I really appreciate all the advice you've given me over the years and your, your, your wisdom and your experience is second to none in general in phones, but I think overall in this field. So thanks for being on the show. I do need to mention, of course, our awesome sponsor, audible.com. Audible is really the place to go if you want to listen to audiobooks. Uh, they have the best selection. They have really great pricing, et cetera, et cetera. I think you should check it out. And to do that, we have a special offer that will, you know, help the podcast along. Uh, go visit uh, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And when you click there, you, you won't get a discount or anything, but you will support the podcast and it'll let you subscribe and join Audible and check out what's going on. I've been uh, kind of binging on early William Gibson novels recently. So that's been my thing. What would you be listening to in terms of a book right now that would tickle your fancy? Well, I think I'd like to hear uh, James Comey's new book. Oh, yeah. That sounds really interesting, huh? Yeah. Indeed. I 
wouldn't be surprised if that's on Audible. I'd have to Google it, but maybe I should check that out. <laughs> anyway, you know where to find me. I'm Tankerl on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Just like Tankerl, the comic book, but uh, without the vowels. And uh, please subscribe to the podcast, uh, mobiletechpodcast.com. We're also on Pocket Casts and on iTunes, so just search for us there. And uh, check out my YouTube channel, uh, Miriam Joir. Uh, that's youtube.com slash Miriam Joir, my full name spelled out with a Y. And subscribe, like the videos and all that. Remember, the videos there are complimentary to this podcast. Dennis, thanks again for being on. Thanks, Audible, for being our sponsor. Thanks to World Podcasts for being the host of this show, at least on a technical level. And... Uh, and being my partner in crime and making this happen every week. Join us next week for another show. Thanks again, Dennis. I really appreciate you being here. Come back soon, okay? All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it was great talking to you today. All right. Bye, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.